Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I invite you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. We will be looking at verses 1 through 12 this morning. Now, as you're turning there, I would like to bring to your attention something on the front of our bulletin. There we have our mission statement that we as a church are seeking the renewing of lives through God's compelling love in Lynchburg and the world. Now, this word renewing awakens us to the fact that this world is broken. Each and every one of us, whether we are in the church or out of the church, we need new life. We need new life in our relationships with our family, with our neighbors, and ultimately with our God. We need our hearts that are dead in sin to be raised to new life in Christ. And this renewing we seek begins not with the power of a program or a prayer or an institution, but rather it begins with a person. With the new life which bursts forth from the grave on Easter morning. This renewing of lives that we seek begins at an empty tomb. So hear now the word of the Lord in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, Two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how He told you while He was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Let us go to him now in prayer. Almighty God, we celebrate today the victory of Jesus Christ over death. As we now hear your word of grace, Inspire us by the power of Your Spirit that we may respond with joy and boldness in declaring our union with Christ. That we might share in the feast of His victory and live in the power of His resurrection. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Alleluia. Amen. In February 2007, a documentary called The Lost Tomb of Jesus was released. 
And this documentary claimed that through archaeological research, a team of scientists had discovered the bones of Jesus. They supposedly offered proof that Jesus did not rise from the dead. While the contemporary opponents of Christ couldn't find his body, this group claimed that 1900 years after the fact, they had finally discovered what had eluded the world for so long. Certainty that the resurrection did not occur. Now this, quote, discovery caused some to rethink their beliefs and their faith and ask, you know, as Christians, does it really matter if Jesus truly rose from the dead? Would our faith be any less real if he didn't? Would the story of the gospel be any less powerful? That is, must we believe as historical fact what the Westminster Confession of Faith claims? That Jesus was crucified and died, was buried and remained under the power of death, yet saw no corruption. And on the third day He rose from the dead with the same body in which He suffered, with which also He ascended into heaven. This morning I wonder, is it central to your life that the Apostles' Creed is historically true when it declares on the third day He rose again? I hope that each and every one of you can answer these questions with a resounding, yes, it matters. That you know for certain That your salvation depends upon the historical reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Of course, the resurrection matters. If it did not occur, everything that we do this morning is foolishness and vanity. For the resurrection is not merely a secondary or tertiary belief in Christianity, but the resurrection is the foundation of Christianity. Again, the Word of God says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If the resurrection did not truly occur, then it's time for us to move on. But if He has been raised, then death has been defeated. Sin has been forgiven. And the evil reign of Satan has been given an eviction notice for the kingdom of God has truly come. And therefore, it is belief in the resurrection that is at the very core of saving faith. For we read in the book of Romans, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Our text for this morning comes from the Gospel according to Luke. And Luke, as a doctor, was a very orderly man. At the very beginning of the Gospel, he outlines the process and the purpose of writing this account. Listen to what he says. And as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, 
to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. The Gospel of Luke is an orderly account of the life of Christ aimed at giving the reader, aimed at giving us who hear it this morning, certainty in their faith. Now, certainty can be a difficult task in a world that values skepticism and doubt. Nevertheless, what we will see this morning is that despite the opponents of Christ seeking to discredit the resurrection, we have great reason to be confident in what we believe, to have certainty that Christ has risen indeed. Now, the first thing that I want you to see in our text for this morning, is that there is a strong witness to the truth of the resurrection. A strong witness. Again, you can look down at verses 1 through 3 of your text. We read, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. As Luke records in chapter 23, the body of Jesus had been given to Joseph of Arimathea. And he laid him inside his own tomb that had been cut into a large rock. Now the women followers of Jesus see where the body of Jesus had been laid, but they have to rest on Saturday, the Sabbath, before they can go and anoint the body for burial. Now it is very early Sunday morning, and they go to the grave to complete this task. However, something startling, something perplexing occurs when they reach the tomb. The large stone that would have covered the entrance is rolled away, and the body of Jesus is gone. The tomb is empty. This is a fact of which everyone has to account. Of course, there are many who think that the resurrection is false and therefore Christianity is mistaken. They don't buy that Jesus died for the sins of the world. They don't believe that He rose from the dead never to die again. However, There are certain historical facts that cannot be denied even by the greatest skeptics. Events that really take no faith commitment to believe. There are events that have been attested to by independent and early historical sources that support what the Bible teaches us. And any historian that does not have an agenda against Christianity would confirm these facts. For we know that there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth who lived and ministered in first century Palestine. And after being crucified under the authority of Pontius Pilate was buried in the tomb of a man named Joseph of Arimathea. We know that is fact. The Sunday following the burial of Jesus, a group of women, including Mary Magdalene, discovered the tomb of Jesus to be empty, even as we read in our text. We also know that various people at various times and various group sizes claim to have seen Jesus raised from the dead. This included the women followers of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus, a group of 500 people at one time, and even a persecutor of God's people. And finally, we know 
the original followers of Jesus suddenly came to believe that Jesus rose from the dead, despite the fact that they believed contrary to be true immediately following his death. And none of them would deny this fact, and all of them but one would die because they maintained it to be true. Again, these are facts of history. They take no faith to believe them. These facts will not only be accepted by those who are within the church, but anyone who is a serious historian will believe these to be true unless they are a complete skeptic of history, denying things like the fall of Rome, the Crusades, denying that Martin Luther actually nailed 95 theses to the Wittenberg church door or even the discovery of America. And so we need not worry. When opponents of Christ write books or produce documentaries that claim the resurrection never occurred because they would have to overthrow 2,000 years of historical evidence that it did occur. And predictably, very soon after the release of this documentary, The Lost Tomb of Jesus, its claims began to fall apart. All the, quote, evidence presented was based on conjecture and inference. Archaeologists and historians of all faith backgrounds rejected the claims as ridiculous and unfounded. Archaeologist William Dever commented, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a believer. I don't have a dog in this fight. I just think it's a shame the way this story has been hyped and manipulated. You see, we need not fear the historical reliability of the gospel's account of the resurrection. For our faith is not a fairy tale. It is not something that went on in enchanted land in a magic time long, long ago. The empty tomb is fact. The empty tomb is true. And these events demand us to respond. Whether people want to believe it or not, the witness of these women followers of Christ, of the disciples, and even of those who would oppose the Christian movement is that the tomb was and the tomb remains empty. But what explanation makes sense of the empty tomb? Right? Just because these events occurred doesn't mean that Jesus rose from the dead. Just because his tomb was empty didn't mean that God the Father vindicated the Son by uniting his soul with his glorified body. This is why verse 4 says the women were perplexed. It's not the natural response of somebody to find an empty tomb and say, hmm, I bet that person rose from the dead. You see, many historians affirm the facts outlined above but don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Some say, you know, maybe he just looked dead up there on the cross. And then he went into a tomb and the cool of the tomb woke him up. Others say that Jesus had a twin brother. And so when they saw his twin walking around, they assumed, hey, this must be Jesus. Others say that his disciples were so emotionally distraught that they hallucinated visions of Jesus in groups. But how do we explain these facts? What actually makes sense of the empty tomb? Well, look down beginning at verse 4. We read, while they were perplexed about this, 
Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. How do you explain the fact of the empty tomb? By the witness and authority of the Word of God. Jesus said, this is what would happen. And so the angels asked, why do you look for the living among the dead? This is the first clue to what has happened. The women are looking for Jesus, but the angels describe Him as one who is living. They are in a graveyard. They are looking in a tomb. This is where you find dead people, not living people. And the reason they could not find Jesus is because Jesus is alive. Next, they call the women to remember the word of the Lord. When they looked into the empty tomb, they should not have been perplexed or astonished. Really, they shouldn't even have been looking for Jesus in a graveyard. Why? Because He had told them before exactly what would happen. The Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He will be crucified. And on the third day, He will rise again. How could they know what the empty tomb meant? How can we understand what the empty tomb means today? We understand and we believe by the authority of the Word of God. We must believe the truth of the message that Jesus Christ is not dead, but has risen to new life, never to die again. You see, the facts of history can tell us much, but we need the Word of God to tell us what these facts mean. History can tell us that Jesus died on the cross, but we need the Word of God to tell us that His death atoned for sin. History can tell us that the tomb was empty, but we need the Word of God, the eternal, inspired, inerrant Word of God to tell us that it was empty because Jesus rose from the dead. And that in rising from the dead, He defeated the power of death and ushered in the kingdom of God. And if you are to believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you must believe the testimony of His Word. For faith in the Word is the only thing that makes sense of the facts of Easter. For we can be certain of the resurrection because the Word of God tells us Christ is risen. I want to conclude this morning with how we might respond to this message. First, we might respond as the women responded. Look down at their response in verses 8 through 9. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Maybe this morning you've come to worship with faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And this message has encouraged you in your faith. You have remembered the truth of God's word and you believe it in your heart. Then your response to the empty tomb and to the message of salvation must be to go and report this truth to others. To share the truth with your friends and with your neighbors and with your enemies. To share this truth with strangers and maybe even to rise up and hear the call to take this truth to the ends of the earth to report the truth that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, that sins may be forgiven, that new life may come through faith in Christ. Wouldn't it be glorious if 10, 20, 30 years from now we might hear a testimony of one who said, Easter morning, I was convicted of the truth that Christ rose from the dead and that I was called to rise up and go and report this truth to the very ends of the earth. Maybe at this moment, the Spirit is laying this call upon your life. But I know that if you believe He is laying this call upon your life here in Lynchburg, in your workplaces, in your families, and even to the ends of the earth. Second, we might respond as some of the disciples responded. Look at verse 11. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Sometimes I think that we have some historical snobbery and we say, you know, people back then, they, you know, they believe weird things like people coming back from the dead. You know, they just didn't quite understand what we do today. But the truth is, somebody rising from the dead perplexed them and it seemed like an idle tale to them. And maybe you have come this morning with your family You came to make your mom happy on Easter Sunday. You came to hear the beautiful music or to take part in the Easter holiday. But the idea that Jesus of Nazareth actually rose from the dead seems like an idle tale to you. Maybe at this moment you're looking around and you're thinking, do these people really believe this? And this is a natural response. This is a natural response to such a miraculous event. Nevertheless, I encourage you to not dismiss this as an idle tale or wishful thinking. For if the claims of God's Word concerning the facts of Easter morning are true, then laid before you is eternal life. For the only path of salvation from the curse of sin, the only escape from the punishment of eternal death, the only hope for the renewing of your life is faith in the resurrected Jesus Christ. And so respond, we may, as Peter did. You want to believe but you're not sure if you can. Look at verse 12. But Peter rose 
and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. Maybe you are like Peter this morning. You want it to be true, but you need to see for yourself. Then I call you, rise up and run to the empty tomb and see for yourself. Investigate the claims that have been made this morning. Go to books like Josh McDowell's More Than a Carpenter and you will find more evidence than you could even hope to have. Read the Word of God. Go to the truth of the Gospel. Pray that God would give you grace to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and truly believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. For then you will be saved by our risen, in our living Savior. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord now in a time of prayer. Father God, we come to You now. And we ask, O Lord, that for those who have come with a conviction of the truth of the resurrection, that there might be a going forth into Lynchburg and to Virginia and to our country and to the ends of the earth, a proclamation that Christ Jesus has risen indeed and that You would draw many into faith. Father, I pray if there are those here this morning that this seems an idle tale, that the truth of Your Word I open their eyes and that even now Your Spirit would be taking out the heart of stone and giving them a heart of flesh that they might rise up and they might see the empty tomb of Christ and might believe Your Word unto salvation. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen. If you would at this time stand as we come to publicly proclaim our faith and our affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed, we will declare this in unison. So I ask you now, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.